Hello everyone, Florian Heiser here, and I have my shine of coffee. I thought we'd go through this article from news.com.au, prepared by economist Jason Murphy, discussing or asking the question, what will happen if we don't get the V-shaped recovery? Now, more and more people are discussing and mentioning, it'll be a V-shaped recovery, it'll bounce back. Get into that housing right now, everyone, quick, before the economy bounces back. Now, I think we're honestly going to have some systematic and cultural impacts due to this lockdown. I think it's going to leave an impact on a generation and people are going to change their spending habits and maybe be a bit wary. Perhaps we won't see the sharp return to the V-shaped recovery. You've got to remember, Australia already also, well, we're dependent on a lot of foreign sources of revenue as a civilization for all our natural resources that we export to our university education to tourism. They're big parts of our economy. And that's a good thing. But if the globe goes in a recession, we're going to feel it, guys. You know, we're not we're not that special. Everyone seems to think Australia is special. Come on. We're not really. So the International Monetary Fund says the world economy will have a V-shaped recovery. The IMF is calling for a V-shaped recovery. I should, I should do a poll in the community. Let, let me know in the comments. Do you think we'll have a V-shaped recovery? I bet you a few people think we'll have an L1. <laughs> it forecasts the Australian economy to plunge this year. The next year we shoot back up to almost where we were. Now this is the same thing we're hearing from the RVA. But it's different to what we're hearing from other organizations, other banks, really. Growth is shown in the next graph. We shrink by 6.7%, then grow by 6.1%. That's a... Okay, now this is a deceptive graph. Because when you grow by 6.7%, you uh, well, sorry, when you decline by 6.7%, you need more than a 6.1% to grow again. It's, it's just that simple, guys. Well, nonetheless, this is a very bad recession, but at least it is quite short. The assumption the IMF makes is that the economy bounces back when the pandemic is defeated. One question haunts me, what if they are wrong? Indeed, what if the IMF are wrong? Because the economy was already on shaky ground before we entered all this. I guess it just depends on what industry people are in, whether they encountered it. Whether they encountered it. Even in construction. I'm talking to different people at the moment. And it's a mixed bag over who's busy and who isn't. Some people are dead quiet. Others, flat out. It just depends what sector you're in. I'd hate to be dependent on the multi-res development crowd at the moment. Do you think they'll have a V-shaped recovery, everyone? It's worth thinking about, not because they are certain to be wrong, let's hope they're right, but because we need to be ready if this economic downturn turns into a stubborn, long-lasting one. And that, that's some good advice. We do need to be ready. What's more concerning is the fact that so many people are living hand-to-mouth here in Australia. 10% of the population I've only got 90 bucks put aside. Just think of that, guys. 90 dollars. 
That's not an emergency fund. It's barely a tank of petrol. Well, petrol's cheap at the moment. It's probably, what, two cartons of smokes? Not that smokes are a staple, but you know what I mean. It's not even a week's worth of food. Everything's gotten so expensive. I still think everything costs the same as when I first ever first moved out, so I always get shocked whenever I go shopping with Rachel. The alternative to a V-shaped recession is an L-shaped one. We fall down, and thereafter growth is flat. Is that likely? The Commonwealth Bank thinks the economy will remain drab in 2021. What does everyone think? What What is... Here's the question I put to you, and I know I know we're living in a clown world now, so it's all, all over the place. Or maybe the stock market's in a clown world. What can help pull Australia up? Maybe maybe if China starts doing another another round of manufacturing to stimulate their economy, can that help us? Will that increase demand for some of our natural resources? Our iron ore, our gold, our foodstuff. But then you've got the likes of Andrews and Victoria trying to sign up to the Belt and Road, thinking that is going to help support the recovery. The issue with that is it's, well, essentially Chinese entrepreneurs from their civilization. And it's going, it's, my understanding is the strategy is, well, for their political advantage and to prop up their currency. We'll have to see, guys. I don't know if in the long term that's going to be the smartest thing for our civilization to partake in. We think that business investment and residential construction will be sluggish right through 2021. Wrote senior economist Belinda Allen in a note to clients on Friday. So sluggish construction and investment. This is the thing as well. The RBA keeps pushing, pushing, pushing small business to borrow money. I, I, I don't understand... The scariest thing from, that I'm hearing now is all these people, particularly in America, that are taking these loans to keep their staff going. They're borrowing this money. And it's not a grant. It's a loan over in America. And the government may change the criteria of forcing you to pay it back. That scares me. Taking a loan to pay a running cost is, is it's boring. So when we don't think that spending habits of households will fully recover to level they were pre pandemic. Yes, I agree with that. After they go through a grinding period of job losses and wealth destruction, people don't go straight back to buying iPhone 10s and Ford Rangers. iPhone 10s. I've got I've got, I've got an iPhone 6. I'm a bit bit out of date. I'm I'm bought a new one. <clears throat> We're going to be frugal for a while. Yes, yes we are. I th I think a long time. I think I think this will change a generation. You've got you know, the millennials, they're learning the hard way, so particularly those that aren't pr prepared. But then you've got, what is it, the Generation Z coming after them, and they're much more conservative. They're much more conservative. And I, I suspect they'll be a little smarter with money and won't follow the stupid habits of the generations before them. We can hope. We'll be milking out the battery life of that old iPhone 8. And iPhone 8's old. And watching the kilometers click up on our current car. That hurts the economy because one person's spending is another person's income. Yes, but it's probably better if people can still spend, but not on debt. Don't put everything on afterpay. Businesses will be the same. Many are taking on debt to make it through this period. A 
and once the recovery starts, their focus will be on paying down that debt instead of spending money to grow their business and hire more people. That's the scary thing, guys. The Commonwealth Bank's forecast of our economy has the level of GDP getting back to where it was in late 2022, as the next graph shows. So late 2022. And you have to remember, everyone, on a per capita basis since the GFC, I've done this in a previous video, our economic growth has been below trend. Our growth has gotten, has been worse because our population has grown, our GDP growth. They haven't kept up. Note that this is a different graph to the first one. This shows the level of GDP. The IMF graph earlier shows the growth rate. Yes, and that, that makes a... Do you think this is a little deceptive, this graph? I think to a passing just observation, it might be. I think people will see, the, oh, yeah, fantastic. We'll be back up there again. We'll be better than we were before. Better than we were before. That's the funny thing about growth rates. If you shrink by 6%, then grow by 6%, you end up smaller than you started. Imagine if we start at an arbitrary level of 100. We fall by 6 to 94%, but 6% of 94% is only 5.64. Exactly. Exactly. You always have to work harder growing, climbing back up again, don't you? If we grow by 6%, we're not back where we started. If growth falls to maybe of 6% this year, we need to grow by more than that next year to get back to where we began. So global growth. The Australian economy depends these days on the rest of the world. Even if we eradicated the pandemic and our domestic economy starts to fire up, our exporters, farmers, miners, education and tourism need the rest of the world to provide their income. And yes, that is very true. Now I'm going to bring up a website I refer to quite often, or two websites I refer to quite often. And I know the regulars will be familiar with these. Now, the first is the Observatory of Economic Complexity. This is a, a snapshot of the Australian economy based on data from 2017. It's the latest data we could get. But I still think it's relevant today. You can have a look at our exports. And here, this number, the 0.0. That is the complexity of our economy. That's the complexity of what we produce. This is why when people say we're a quarry for the world, we are. Our biggest export is iron ore, followed by coal, then petroleum. Gold is up there as well. All natural min um, <laughs> mining, essentially. Big part of our economy. Big part of our economy. Gold, 29 billion. We're the world's biggest gold export, or the second biggest. Switzerland is number one, but they import about as much as they export. Iron ore, we're the world's biggest. And look at everything we import, all these advanced things. So demand for these natural resources and quarry materials and other things, if they go down, we're in trouble. Demand for our dollar goes down, all of these things will get more expensive. For all of us, that'll have a cost of living imp impact. I asked everyone in a survey, because lots of people are calling for tariffs. Lots of people are calling for tariffs. And it's funny, because people get angry at Jerry Harvey for advocating for GFs, the GST on eBay items. And yet they call for tariffs. They're the same thing. We pay for them, the consumer. We're going to cop it. 
And I did a survey on my uh, community here on YouTube and I asked people, would you pay double for your next car or computer? And 90% of them said no. And some people said, oh, you need to you know, be nuanced with the question and it's not, it's not detailed enough. But in the end, it's all that really matters. You know, you people won't have... People pretend that they will say, oh, well, yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd pay extra for Australian made or this or that. And sure, a lot of people will, but not enough. Not enough to make a difference. I've done that. I've got a, a product right here. Hang on. Right here. I'll show you here. These are high quality, Australian made door handles that we got made for our shop front. For our shop front. Now, we paid a very high price for these. I think $750 per handle. There's two sets of them for each door, so one and a half grand. We originally had them electroplated, but unfortunately they didn't coat them in a protective layer because it was done in, a, in another, another state. Couldn't all be done in the one state. And it kept wearing off, so then we just had it powder coated. Looks great. Bloody expensive. I took them with me when we left the retail premises. I'll put them on my house one day. But this was a very expensive item. And often, you know, for an architect, investing in a one-off or a luxury house or a big commercial product, sure. But for everyday person buying in their house, you'd go the cheaper option. You'd go something that's a tenth of the price. So there's the question. Yeah. There's the question. Just keep that in mind when you see people calling for tariffs. Ask them, oh, so you're a fan of Jerry Harvey. He tried to, and then if they go, no, I'm not, or go, he was trying to introduce GST to protect local retailers. It's the same thing, guys. It's the same thing. So back to this. Back to this. I went off on a little tangent there. Uh, one more thing I want to show you, just in case you're not aware. The Atlas of Economic Complexity, it's another data source, another measure. We're 93rd in the world. OEC puts us at 59th. So we are not that advanced in what we're manufacturing. I'd argue to improve Australia's competitive advantage, to improve our advantage, you know, to improve our capacity to manufacture rather than import, we need to create special economic regions around the country where there's less burden on the employees, less burden on the businesses, less regulation and red tape, make it easier for business to get up and running. Then maybe they can compete on a global level. But we'll see. Our leaders will just push out the same stuff, throw more money at housing. Remember, we looked at a previous video where the New South Wales government was going to buy housing. Anyway. So, and as the Grant uh, Grattan Institute observes, the rest of the world is suffering. A striking feature of the pandemic is that it is hitting all major economies almost simultaneously, wrote author Brendan Coates and colleagues in a recent analysis. The prospect of a rapid V-shaped econ economic recovery are remote. The duration of the pandemic crisis is uncertain, but the direct economic effects on employment are likely to persist for some time. So unemployment. Unemployment sucks for many reasons. One is this, it gets worse fast and gets better slow. So here we have a graph. For many years after the 1990s recession, unemployment was higher than before the recession. So there you have it. And remember, 
This is based on the ABS data, everyone. I need to create a program, Roy Morgan's unemployment data, into my little device here, but I'll bring it up. Now, Roy Morgan compared to ABS at the moment. They've done a late March measure. They've got, whoa, April. Okay, April unemployment is at 15.3. Am I reading that right? Yep, 15.3. So it's slightly improved since their late March data of 16.8, but still pretty high. We'll have to see what the ABS comes up with. But Roy Morgan is generally always double ABS figures. And the big concern is unemployment and underemployment. So I'll jump that over here. So unemployed or underemployed, that's when people don't have enough work. And that's the scary one, sitting at 24.7%. Was it 27.4? Now the question is, if you abandon the workforce, if you leave the workforce, you're not counted anymore. So maybe some people have left the workforce or maybe some people have found other jobs, which could happen too. There's been demand for workers in a lot of industries that are out there hiring, more delivery people, Woolworths calls, they're trying to get more people. But still, 25% under an unemployed ain't good. So why doesn't unemployment jump back to where it was? Partly because companies learn how to get by with fewer staff. Yes, and this, this is part of the advantages of a recession. There's some creative destruction. If the government prompt, props up these zombie companies, there's no room for young new companies to emerge. New entrepreneurs are crushed by competitors that have unfair advantages from the state. Businesses can learn, oh, wait a minute. Those people were just uh, not working, weren't working very hard. Oh, we can get it done with less. What we're going to see, we're also going to see businesses get by without commercial premises. How's that going to affect office returns and office valuations? But also because unemployment hurts people. They call it scarring. Australia's top labor market economist is Professor Jeff Borlan. And he says one group who will, be, who will be scarred by this downturn is those leaving school. Scarring occurs when long-term negative consequences for a worker follow from an adverse experience early in their working life, he said in a recent note. It now seems certain that cohorts of students who are or would have been leaving school at the end of 2020 and perhaps also 2021 will face a considerably more difficult time getting into employment. The future looks cloudy. And all this is without considering the chances of a devastating second wave of the pandemic. If this happens, the IMF expects the world to be even worse off as the next graph shows. We can see that here. Longer outbreak. New outbreak in 2021. Longer outbreak in 2020 plus a new one, 2021. The long, these long run, run implications are not certain. Nobody can see the future. But they are worth bearing in mind as we consider the choices we make right now, both individually and as a nation. So there you have it, guys. Jason Murphy's take on, well the v-shaped recovery what do you think everyone do you think we'll get a v-shaped recovery or are you planning for worse hoping for the best as always let me know your thoughts and opinions on the comments below but also 
what would you suggest if you've got young school leavers what would you suggest they do to try and create an opportunity out of this what options are there for them maybe if they can't get work how can they learn to be entrepreneurs themselves there has to be a way there always is thanks for watching guys please like share and subscribe to the channel if you're a fan and you want to support us there's several ways you can you can join the channel on youtube or on patreon you can support us via our affiliate links at Amazon or eBay. You can also use our referral links at Independent Reserve and KuCoin for the crypto traders out there. We have merch available from the Heiser Says website, Pocket Squares handmade by my wife Rachel. You can support us via Gold Pass from the Perth Mint or via PayPal. Thanks guys, have a great day, and I will see you in the next video. Bye for now.